the future of photography. Chris? Chris? Chris, are you there? Ah, no, Chris. Hmm. Okay, never mind. Right, uh, because it is time, ladies and gentlemen, to introduce a new voice to the future of photography. Um, pl- please welcome uh, to the future of photography, Jeremiah Chechik. Hi, Jeremiah. Hello, how are you? And uh, happy to be here. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you, yeah. Um, so far. So far. So, so far. Well, yeah. Okay, well, 20 seconds into the recording, yeah. So far, we're both happy to be here. So that, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a good funny. thing. Yeah. You know it's downhill from there, right? <laughs> so thank you for having me, and uh, you know, thanks for the intro. Well, no, no worries. So, so, so uh, you you are here um, because you got in touch with us. So we've been we've been uh, advertising uh, what what Chris uh, rather grandiosely calls a casting process um, <laughs> for the last uh, short while, uh, and you very kindly got in touch with us and send us. Um, is is there a, a term for an audio tape that's not actually a tape? It's a file. I don't know. Um, you sent us an audition tape uh amongst uh, a whole bunch of others and uh, you and i had a chat and now here we are and it's great to talk to you and great to be recording with you um uh, probably we should start with um yeah how, how would you like to introduce yourself to the future of photography audience um i you know i think i'd probably uh, start focused on the photographic end uh, since i began my uh, sojourn into uh, art and creative um, with photography, and my father was a photographer, and uh, so I I still have his his Rolleiflex, um, which still works beautifully. Um, you know, I started as a photographer, generally doing uh, what I would consider very kind of artistic, uh, experimental. Um, imagery using uh, traditional etching and uh, traditional lithographic processes uh, and um, got very, very uh, involved in that uh, kind of folks combining that tradition of like stone printing and mixing inks and all the rest of it with uh, layering of emulsions and experimenting with emulsions uh, led me to do some very early work in holography and holograms where we would use a laser for exposure and coat our own emulsions and, uh, you know, eventually started to shoot more what I would consider more traditional street photography. And, uh, you know, one thing evolved uh, to the next level where, uh, you know, I had a, a solo show um, of some large format work. That work was noticed by some advertising types, like Ken Erickson, who uh, hoodwinked me into, you know, doing some commercial photography um, and, of course, paying me for that privilege more than I had made the previous year for a photograph. <laughs> well, that's, that's, al- that's always good. <laughs> this could be good. <laughs> this could be a good kind of uh, way in. And, and so began a sojourn that, that led me to shooting for Italian Vogue uh, in, in Milan. 
and then moved to New York to continue commercial photography. And that eventually led to uh, commercials and film uh, after doing, you know, just hundreds of commercials, I was somewhat discovered by Hollywood and uh, came out to Los Angeles. I did several movies and, have, you know, I have five or six, who knows. Um, and, you know, movies led to television and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of a continuing uh, path of exploration of, of imagery. I never stopped taking pictures and continue to do so and continue to kind of uh, hopefully push the conversation about photography um, forward. So, I mean, that's it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty extensive. That, that's, that's pretty extensive uh, uh, um, history. Uh, yeah, pretty extensive background for, for something. And it's interesting you say push the conversation forward because that is, of course, something we try and do you know, here on the, the podcast. So, you know, hope, hopefully we'll be able to, to give you some avenues to explore that conversation. <laughs> well, you know, I was a, a, a fan of the podcast. It's a podcast that I have listened to uh, reasonably religiously. And um, when I heard you were kind of looking for another voice, I thought, uh, well, you know, I'll send you an email with not as much a, what I'd consider an audition tape because I didn't really know what the hell <laughs> But just to say, hey, uh, you know, this is me. This is what I've done. I have some background here. I've kind of ex explored all manner of photography with all manner of cameras uh, and all manner of kind of post-production processes. And hell, if you want to talk to me, go ahead and contact me and you know lo and behold here we are having this conversation <laughs> and and here we are yeah and 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 what about you because know, you and i have spoken a little bit just to get to know each other um, sure. and you've been telling me about some of the things that where, where you're pushing the boundaries of the technology of photography and image making you know and, and that that that's uh, not not to, to ruin any future shows we might do but yeah what, what's your interest in that kind of thing um, I, you know, I, I think that uh, in, in, in this particular cultural moment, we, we probably have more photographers, however you want to um, delineate that, taking more pictures um, of, you know, more things, people, environments, uh, self-aggrandizing or objective. But we're, there are millions of photos taken daily. Um, maybe even some of them will end up being backed up, subject of your own uh, subject that we will discuss. Hmm. Um, but... but what defines a photographer who is, I guess, trying to move past a certain pictorialism or, 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 or a photograph that is in the tradition of another beautiful photograph of a mountain, another beautiful photograph of, you know, a river or you know, a, an interesting person walking on the street. All of these are images that I appreciate um, greatly. But for my own work, that doesn't feel enough. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in what really defines a photograph. What do we think is a photograph? Uh, obviously, it's different things to different people. But uh, for me, very... Um, 
very early on, the photographic process was a way of exploring the image as I see it, uh, the image as defined me. Uh, images are not the subject, but it's a representation of how we, in many ways, feel about the subject. And how, how to integrate those kinds of expressions to uh, evolving technologies, which seem to uh, be on us daily with, with all manner of, of, of consequences, um, both positive and negative. But how do you find your way through the morass of the millions of images to create expressions that are unique and give a strong purpose uh, to actually committing uh, to imagery which can have a profound effect on us culturally. It's a long-winded way of saying, I don't really know. I just want to do things <laughs> that are different. Do you know what? You're in good company here because, you know, as you know, well, if you, as a listener, you know, Chris and I are uh, enjoy the, the speculative nature of the conversation we have here. And uh, both of us are very, very happy to be called out in the future when we prove to be completely wrong. Um, it's, uh, you know, always happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem I, at all with that. I think having curiosity is is a you know a, a strong uh, a, a strong step forward to the exploration of of photography anyway. I mean, you go out with your camera because you're interested in seeing or being present. Um, though that I believe is certainly changing. It's changing with my own work, and we can get into that anon. But um, I, I do think that that. What we define as a photograph in the world of, um, all, you know, automation, in the world of machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, certainly post-production techniques, um, these are all things that, that do affect how we approach subjects you know, generally. And and I'm always of the notion that uh, I do get inspired by new gear, uh, but I'll shoot with anything. Uh, good stuff. OK. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for the introduction to yourself. It's, I think it's going to be you know, uh, having a uh, the, the the set of uh, point, points of view having to the art of photography and the set of experience that you have backing that up, I, I think, is, is going to add something to our conversation. So, um, you know, w without further ado, shall we dive right into this week's topic? <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> okay, cool. So this one is this this one is one that I've brought this week. Uh, my turn this week, um, and uh, well, let's let's say let, the credit where it's due. This 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 particular topic is prompted by. Uh, an article I saw uh, somewhat recently. Um, I found it uh, on fstoppers.com. Uh, I'm sure it's been reported elsewhere as well. And, uh, you know, it's not quite so much about the art this week. This is more about the technology side. Uh, and uh, this is about a new file format because um, we didn't have enough of those already. So <laughs> Um, yeah, and we'll put the link to the article that prompted this in the in the show notes. But yeah, we we uh, saw. Um, did you did you see? Well, let me ask you. Did you did you yes. see the the announcement of uh, a thing called Dot Photon? I did. 
You did. I, I did. Uh, yeah, and I, I certainly uh, looked at it um, with a jaundiced eye. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy! Yet another format. So I yeah. So so as photographers, of course, we have to deal with uh, broad, broadly speaking, two formats. You know, a raw format and some sort of some sort of compressed format. Other others deal with other, other things. You can t- you know you can have uncompressed formats like TIFF files or, or Photoshop files or, or or whatever else. But I didn't think um, that uh, we needed a new one. Uh, and of course, yeah, you know, yeah. If you think about that in terms of a video, any single file, you have to think not only about the file format, but also about the codecs inside it as well. Um, so the the, you know, the video world is even more of a minefield. Um, and and yet, I suppose we did see. Uh, was it late last year? Was the launch of things like ProRes RAW? Um, that's that, yeah. that, that that's that seemed to to have potential to make a difference um you know at, into in people's workflow um uh, and a difference in how how production and post-production w- was conducted so so i didn't quite have such a a a, a jaundiced view <laughs> to, to borrow your phrase as as uh as i did when i saw this one but but, but let's let, let's explore it and give, give it a chance shall we so yeah i i, I think just just to be rudely interrupting, um, I, th- I thought that when it comes to file formats, there there are two you know two sides of it. One is how does the format protect as much information as we will need, How, however that is. I mean, if you're doing a little AM radio music track, then you know, MP3s were fine. But if you want a lossless full audio file, uh, you know, for the aficionado, you need something that's a little more robust. So I think defining what our needs are is important. But so that that's file formats. Like, what do you need to pull out the information? But the other one is, how many of these do we need? And what happens when there are no standards? especially Ooh. moving forward yeah that that can be so so like, can i that that i really like your choice of the word need there that's because so often in photography we end up with a conversation about ultimates right the the ultimate image quality whatever whatever that might mean and you know uh, i guess some of that might be uh measurable in some way might be objective and measurable but often it, it's very subjective especially when it comes to lenses i find and and, and how lenses render uh, always always a good topic that where where you can have if you have one person you have one point of view if you have two people you have about 25 points of view <laughs> <laughs> um and and so that so the need that's an interesting one because i uh, well, well just just in my own shooting i tend to if i'm shooting digital that is um i'll tend to shoot my cameras in raw plus jpeg um, because I don't need to post-produce everything, and I quite like that I can set my camera up so I can get a half-passable image just out of the camera and not have to do anything with it. Um, and then if I ever need to do anything, I have a RAW file. Um, uh, it, it happens to be the RAW file that is proprietary to the manufacturer of the camera. Um, d- yeah, d- it would... didn't occur to me that I'd need another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... I can sell you some floppy disks that I have in the <laughs> 80s if, if you're looking for formats to kind of undo. But the um, 
you know, the no, I also shoot, uh, you know, DNG. I tend to shoot with Leicas, so I, I'll shoot with their uh, DNGs. And and uh, I used to take the um, JPEGs as well, but I've just stopped doing that. Um, it just feel, feels kind of confusing to have so many doubles, and I do end up pulling them all into Lightroom and, and I'll output them as JPEGs if I need a smaller format for the web. And if I need a larger one for printing, I'll output it as PSD if I want to keep the layers and if not, just the, the TIFF files. But I found over the years that the DNG at least starts to approach a format that is as close to a digital negative that I've found. Uh, that, that, that's interesting because you're you're in a system there, aren't you? Because and and as many of us are, um, yeah, the Adobe system, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that that kind of all works. I remember when Apple killed Aperture because I was an Aperture user. Aha. And I remember, when, and 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 the in the world of Aperture, and and now in the world of what we know as you know Mac Photos or iOS Photos, um, though they, they, those uh, software packages, those programs, they actually handle the pairing of of JPEGs and RAW files seamlessly. It's it's really very very good. And one of the things I noted when I I was forced to move to Lightroom, which I've since moved away from. Um, is that Lightroom just didn't do that. So I can understand as somebody who uses uh, Lightroom um, that, that you would you would find it slightly, uh, unless they fixed it since, of course, since I left Lightroom, but they were slightly clunky to have to deal with duplicate images. Uh, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's clunky or that I've just grown accustomed to the clunk. <laughs> well maybe i can't really, can't really tell you but it seems to work for me uh certainly if i look up at all of my negatives you know they don't seem to have changed since you know the dawn of, <laughs> of time they seem very consistent and whatnot um you know the 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 file also uh or choice choice of files is really an essential for us who are backing up our work and trying to find images that we have done one year, two year, 10 years, even 20 years, um, you know, ago, how are we going to sort through that if there's not a kind of a big bet on a consistent format and backing that up becomes even more of a, you know, uh, a chore nightmare in some in some cases, um, mm. certainly uh, with the reduction of cost of of our media, our hard drives. Um, no, well, that, we'll come back to we'll come back to that actually because we should probably give Dot Photon Raw a chance, shouldn't we? We should probably just okay. describe what it is that it does. We, we 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 are in danger of passing judgment before we describe what it even is. <laughs> that's, but that's probably my fault. So yeah, yeah. so so um, yeah. Broadly speaking, as I say, there'll be a, a link to the to the F Stoppers article in the show notes. Broadly speaking, Dot Photon is a new file format that offers lossless raw compression the actual re really and truly lossless not not uh, um yeah, no, no loss at all and uh they are the, the what they quote is for um there's a quote in the article that for a a a particular file a, a portrait shot from from a nikon d810 uh that the raw file is 40 meg on a hard drive and the dot photon raw once it's been converted you know without losing any of the information is only 
around 12 megabytes. So, you know, actually, what's that? That is less than 30%, isn't it? I think. Or is it exactly 30%? I think, well, I can't. They, say 80, 80%, they say 80% reduction, um, you know, nearing a JPEG size, but all an editable raw file. Yeah, which uh, is, is material, right? Let, let's, you know, and, and, and at one level, quite impressive, actually, I would say. <laughs> Technologically, it's very impressive, yes. But again, in terms of do we need it, it seems to me that the reason to have it is to reduce the size of storage and reduce the network cost of running these things across our wireless or wired systems. Mm, yeah, especially That's the wireless, the especially the wireless ones is going to make a bit. Yeah, it, it can make a difference there, can't it? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that that wired systems. Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, le- le- less convinced. But yeah, so so the, this is yeah, this is uh, an impressive technology. It comes from. I I understand that um, you know uh, Dot Photon is is a uh, a fairly new company. I I don't know whether I describe it as a as a startup or not. But it's 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 certainly not been around for, for long. And it's coming at this with uh, uh, potential to. Uh, well, p- potential to uh, change things, you know, to make things better for people, um, especially for people who who have limited storage, I guess. Um, as long as they stay in business. Uh, so yeah, now hmm, that's an interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I I invested in in a Christmas present for my children. Really, it was for me, but for my children, um, in, in uh, there was a, an American startup company called Anki. Uh, and uh, they essentially reinvented Scale Electric, the the slot car racing, but they took uh-huh. away the slots. Um, the the this was a really interesting startup because it took MIT robotics technology, and it added that to that Silicon Valley business now and funding. Um, and what you got was um, a, an equivalent of an old style uh, slot racing toy but for the 21st century uh, the cars actually had some very limited ai and they would steer themselves around corners they would they they would they had lasers in them to read the track a bit like um uh, and they could turn corners on their own but then you got an app on your phone or your ipad or whatever uh, and uh, with that app uh, basically turned it almost into an arcade game because you got weapons and upgrades and, and and you could follow you could change lanes and follow behind somebody and shoot them and and they would slow down or stop for a while and you could you know, good and they were amazing and then they brought out a robot and then they failed just very recently they failed to secure the next round of funding and now they're gone which is really sad because it was such a great set of products that they were developing, but then they're gone. Yeah. Well, uh, years ago, uh, I had a similar experience. I early on in, in the, uh, you know, digital uh, conversion in my world, um, I thought, oh, great. I'll just uh, take some pictures and get them processed and put onto Kodak discs. Well, that's oh, no. great. Kodak <laughs> can't beat Kodak for a company that's been around, dedicated to photography. I know they're going to be good, and I did. Not a month ago, I was going through my archive, trying to clean it up. Some of the things that I uh, 
that were just in boxes. And um, I, I had uh, stumbled across this fabulous this is a sidebar, a Kodak, uh, I guess it's a product where you kind of buy a box and they send it to you and they give you stickers and you can, they will digitize eight millimeter film, 16 millimeter film, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And kind of, and and of course your your thirty five millimeter negatives. I thought they would do everything, like all my two and a quarter, six by nine, etc. But turned out they don't. But I thought, oh, I this is a great great time for me to pull out my Kodak discs, which are completely unreadable in every way that I can find, unless I buy or try to find several different kind of third-party software to extricate these things, these images from the disk. Kodak doesn't even deal with them. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I've got a bunch of, you know, dare I say, really amazing images. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. We, it, and it, look, you know, sadly, we can't prove that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> but there you there you go. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, that that is, you know, kind of circling back to dot photon. I say, if you had a choice of just turning all of your images into a brand new compression technology or uh, acquiring disk space whether it's kind of slightly in the future where like this new Zeiss camera that's coming out with a, I don't know, half a terabyte or a oh, terabyte. Yeah. yeah. We, we talked about that. The, the, is it the ZX one, something yeah, like that. Something exactly. like that's going to be called. Yeah. But if you had the choice of, of, of storage that was effectively like, Free in serial boxes. In other words, it was unlimited. You know, storage yeah. and speed and all of that was unlimited, very, very cheap. What would you choose? <laughs> Good question. So where you're getting to now, right? This, this, hey, this is the first time I get to say this to you. So what does that mean for the future of photography? <laughs> our, standard, <laughs> our, our standard question, our standard question. What would I choose? Now, that's a good question. Um, I think I'd choose the storage. I've, I've always struggled, you know. Um, people say, oh, but your file format won't be readable in 20 years time or, or or whenever and i'm looking at this now and so i think we i think we could rightfully claim nowadays that, that we're into we're, we're 20 years into mainstream digital imaging right you know yep. maybe maybe you could say that the 90s were you know were, were early days maybe not actually um uh, a lot of the file formats that we use now were, were, were you know were available in the 90s as well um but the you know and and i've never once had uh, that situation that you've just <laughs> just reported, uh, you know, of of struggling to deal with a file format. I mean, all mine, you know, I've got stuff going back uh, at this point. Let's say fifteen years, um, uh, and it's all either raw files that are supported by every single program you can get. Even you know, e even you know, on a phone these days, your phone will have a, a, the ability to process raw files from ten years ago, uh, or, or they're of course JPEGs. And I know a lot of people have tried to alter, you know, introduce alternatives to JPEGs, but they're still there. And just and, and even if an alternative did turn up and was adopted by everybody, I think JPEGs would still work, wouldn't they? <laughs> Well, I think just because so many people have it, 
they and use it, uh, that it would be a serious misstep to you know eliminate it uh, from anybody who is creating a editing process, you know, software or a camera. Uh, yeah. But uh, several years ago, I had a notion that I wanted to digitize my entire negative collection, which goes back. And so and I wanted to do it in the way that it was a available for me and that it was uh, easy to store, but it was future proof. Okay. So what I did was, you know, I, and I wanted to do this in as as best a lossless compression as I can. I didn't want to take beautiful Kodachromes and kind of do a cheap and cheerful uh, digital copy of it that was a JPEG, uh, low res, and and put it out, you know, up on a drive. I, I wanted to be able to recreate all of the nuances of that Kodachrome and up to some 8x10 negatives, etc. So I, I embarked on this uh, research plan to, to see, well, how does one do this? Well, you can go and do at very expensive rates to do, you know, Imacon, uh, you know, high-end digitizing of your work, right. uh, which is pretty effective. But your form, you know, your files are, you know, often, you know, I have four by five portraits, which I have backed up that are, I don't know, 450 megabytes for the negative. You know, wow. just, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's a story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's big. That's it. Um, so, but, but, you know, on down to, to manageable sizes. And I thought, well, okay, now that I have it, where am I going to put it? Well, am I going to put it in a hard drive? At that time, there were no SSD drives. And, and in researching hard drives, you know, they said, well, hard drives, if they don't spin at least once every year or so, they start to deteriorate themselves. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, a lot of people would say more than once a year as well. I mean, I, I've got a friend who's a, a, an audio engineer, um, mm-hmm. and he has he not not uh, he has a huge um, you know audio uh, collection. Some yeah, you know, a huge sample collection, a huge body yeah. of work that he's made over the years, and and yeah. he'll try he'll be trying to spin the discs up every six weeks. Well, yeah. Or by the way, and then so okay, that's not going to work. What about? Those wonderful archival gold CDs that you can burn to. Well, upon researching that, yeah, they're good maybe for 25 years, maybe. And they start to peel, so they're not good. And then every which way I turned, it seemed to me that I not only needed to have a format that was, uh, again, um, easily accessible to a computer system, but I needed the computer shrink-wrapped, the operating system shrink-wrapped, any outboard (laughs) peripherals shrink-wrapped with all of the associated files put into some vault. Well, that wasn't too practical. And so I thought, well, there must be a third party that'll do that. And that led me to a company called Iron Mountain. No, now, okay, yeah, I know, I know them, yeah. Yeah, they back up government data, hospitals, 
all your tax stuff, and they store it all around the world under mountains. And so I, I called them and I said, well, how much would you guys charge for, I don't know, about a terabyte of, of data to back up? And they kind of laughed because a terabyte to them is like a kilobyte to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they said, oh, you know, we could back it up because our services, we ba- not only do we back it up, we put it under a lot of mountains. So, you know, you're safe. And we keep converting, this is very important, we keep converting the file formats to the newest ones. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Okay, so I said, well, how much would all of this, you know, data vault cost me? And they went, oh, you know, about $25,000. And I went like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I took a real deep breath. And then they said, a month. A month. I was going to say a year, but a month. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Failure to pay your bill. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah they'll delete it all yeah okay right and and i so i thought well you know that's they're, not they're, they're not working at consumer <laughs> scale there are they really you know so that that's an enterprise class solution for enterprise customers isn't it it's not <laughs> <laughs> you think <laughs> yeah so okay so so well so uh do, I, I, do you know where i thought you were going to go with that because you, you were talking about backing up film negatives i thought you were going to conclude that the best way to do it would be to duplicate the negs <laughs> By the way, you are 100% right. And the, the actual best way to back up a photograph is to print it as archivally as you can and store it properly. That, that in, in the digital world, yeah. that, that is the best way. There is another way that will last maybe millions of years. This is my theory. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Go. This is the future of photography. If we can't think about things a million years into the future, where can we do that? <laughs> I thought if I wanted to take a picture, a selfie, digitize it and make sure that in some way it had a hope of being reconstituted a million years hence, I would break the the image into its component ones and zeros and I would have it laser etched on titanium and then bury it. Okay, interesting. That's a that's a like a modern day version of the Voyager Gold Record, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> Providing a million years into the future there would be humans around, doubtful. But were there humans around, would they really understand what those ones and zeros are it's yeah yeah so when we get to this point in the conversation i often draw on my rather extensive reading of sci-fi novels um, (laughs) because yeah some of these it's it's amazing you know where where you know technology takes us and and it takes us into the realms of 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 things that were sci-fi even even potentially you know rather recently um but it's uh, I I remember a book I read, and I uh, I think it was written in the seventies. I forget who it was written by, but a sci a sci fi novel on on the you know, you know, um, universal or galactic scale, um, where where um, humankind encountered an alien race, 
um but they 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 had population difficulties and their population grew incredibly and then it crashed because they could never they 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 they, they always died of overpopulation before they uh before they could invent the technology to to get out into larger spaces um and and they had on in their home world they had this sort of locked um museum uh, and and to to figure out the lock um you know each new rising population which could be hundreds of thousands of years later had to decode uh, a basic sort of solar system diagram and recognize it for what it was before they could unlock the door and then get all the technology that other other populations had left for them before Sorry, that's a bit of a ramble. Um, but we, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know who would be around to look at our photographs and, and what they might make of them a million years from now. If we can escape this planet in time, <laughs> then maybe we'll still be here. <laughs> Either that or we so, have to change our ways fairly radically. <laughs> but cir- circling back, I always think that a great compression technology, uh, which basically will take a large file and make it smaller with you know, little uh, loss in terms of what happens when you reconstitute it, sort of freeze-dried imagery, just add water and there it is, as opposed to grinding the beans and making coffee Mm. fresh. Um, If storage, i.e. your beans, are available uh, and if the networks are fast enough, which is only a matter of time and not a lot of time then all of the information all of the investment and all of the sophistication of compression technology is really for naught and uh, that's interesting in that we simply don't need it well if your camera could hold you know a million images lossless uh and upload it however you want, uh, you know, whether it's kind of current day, uh, current day hardware or, you know, the new hardware that they're developing, you know, I forget what the terms are that, you know, doesn't use ones and zeros. It actually used some biology to kind of uh, create memory. But That'll be an interesting future subject. But but if you had unlimited storage everywhere or the cloud, whatever the cloud means, you know, uh, moving forward, that every time you took a picture, it was just automatically backed up in its complete um, whole file. Compression is just not necessary, or it would run in the background, but it would have to be just a transit. In other words, they'd compress it to pack it, ship it over the network, and then reconstitute it um, whole. Mm. So really the question is, what is dot photon useful for? It's a temporary solution to... Uh, hardware and networks being a little more uh, bottlenecky, uh, but I think soon that will be, um, you know, a, a, an issue which none of us will really be thinking of. 
Hmm. Interesting. Well, I tell you what, that's a good way to, to to start to wrap up this conversation for this week. Because actually, do you know what? It's nice to have identified a, a positive use case for this. <laughs> I, I I struggled. I have to say, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, when when I when I apply our standard question, you know, what does this mean for the future of technology or future of photography? I should say, um, I got no answer. Um, uh, so so you know, the fact that you found an answer, I think, is is a good positive thing because genuinely, I I was not seeing the value in this at all. So so yeah, let let, let let's uh, let's stop there on that high point, <laughs> almost high point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 wrap up uh, the show for this week. So. So, uh, you know, Jeremiah, um, you know, great, great to have you with us. Um, uh, and th- thank you again for, for getting in touch as in response to our casting call. Um, have you enjoyed your first show? I have. I, I hope Chris enjoys it. I hope Chris enjoys it as much as I have. <laughs> well, yes. Sadly, uh, Chris can't join us today because he's travelling, um, and so. Uh, but but uh, we'll, we'll get to. I'm sure we'll get to record something the three of us together uh, soon, soon. When, he, when he gets back. When he gets back. All right. Well, this has been uh, the future of photography. Thank thank you one and all for listening. Um, uh, we'll be back with uh, more wild speculation and and fun conversations conversations next week goodbye bye bye you've been listening to the future of photography a production by adrian stock and chris marquardt subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. future of 